The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, Liz Willis joins us. She was with Right Side Broadcasting for many years. She has been to tons of Trump rallies and political rallies in, uh, in the recent past. And she is a tech executive at a soon-to-be-named very interesting online venture which when this comes out, some people might even get to know what it is. But Liz, great to have you in the program. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Buck. Thank you for the introduction. This is uh, my first time being back on camera since leaving the campaign trail with RSBN. I thought I would get get off camera, but I'm so happy to be here and to be with your audience today. So I, I want to get into all the tech stuff. Can I just ask you, though, your favorite campaign trail moment or story or anecdote? You got to give me one. You spent a lot of time okay. going all over the place. Yeah, so this one's kind of easy and it comes to mind. I actually wasn't a part of it, but my team was a part of it. And there was a President Trump rally. I think it was in Valdosta, Georgia. And by far, that was one of the most incredible. It was a li- I think it was right after the crazy 2020 election. Melania was there. It was jam-packed. So that event alone was incredible. But 
Mike Lindell found out that my team needed to go from point A to point B and they were within like 12 hours of each other and there was no commercial flights available. Um, and we needed to stream something that he thought was important for America on election integrity. So he offered up his private plane um, and my team was able to get where they needed to be. They hopped on that right after the rally. And, you know, I'll just never forget that. Very jealous that they got to go on the private jet, but very like happy. And so I loved the Valdosta rally, seeing the support for President Trump. And then, of course, Mike Lindell, just doing whatever it takes to save America. Mike, let people fly on Pillow Force One. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. And if you like look up the tail numbers, it was like owned by my pillow. I was like, love it. I was going to, I mean, I would assume very comfortable slippers and other uh, accoutrement (laughs) on that plane. I would assume the blankets were phenomenal. And, uh, you know, for the executive suite, the Giza dream sheets were amazing. So, uh, how are we doing in the tech, in the tech battle here? Cause one of the, one of the things that I think is very clear in retrospect is how, outgunned we were by incredibly partisan tech companies in 2020 just meaning they had they had everybody you know the democrats had all the tech companies in their back pocket are we we've got twitter now at least is elon not some communist uh, who owns yeah. it how are we doing are, are we gaining ground are we fighting back and what's going on with trying to get the message out there without all the censors Well, I think Republicans are finally getting on the offense here. I think that we've got a good game plan. It's not great. There are some tweaks that need to happen, and I'm a part of that. So I'm excited to roll that out in the coming days. And within the next week, I'll explain a little bit more on what I'm doing. But as far as just tech in general, I think we are in a much better place. And a lot of that, I would say, is thanks to Elon. Even today, he just rolled out that creators are getting paid significant amounts of money for turning on ad revenue on their accounts. Now, for so long, Republicans were completely shadow banned. I mean, whether it was a broadcasting network or a supporter who was questioning the COVID vaccine or questioning the 2020 presidential election, Facebook and almost all big tech companies coming out of Silicon Valley, they would just shut you down. We saw so many of our friends and family members and politicians getting completely banned from Twitter, from Facebook, from Instagram. Republicans couldn't even post ads to market their campaigns on Facebook while you would see their Democrat competitor just leading away with Facebook ads. It was completely unfair. They had, I would say the liberals had a huge advantage over Republicans, but a lot of that was brought to light within the past couple of years. And as far as 2024 goes, I think they have... We've seen it with Twitter. They're working on it. But we also have seen a few changes on Facebook that allows conservative campaigns to get in there and work with them. Personally, I would not want to spend my advertising money on Meta, knowing how much they dislike me. But um, we also have Truth Social, which has been wonderful. Mike Lindell created his own um, platform as well. So conservatives finally have a place. I won't say a safe place, but we shouldn't be as afraid to speak about our policies and who we support. So I think that we're working towards not being the silent majority. And I think that's very important to winning elections. Yeah. I mean, being able to get your message out is really the heart of politics in so many ways. And with the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop and then the 
deplatforming of an entire social media platform with Parler by Amazon Web Servers and uh, Web Services uh, and the App Store and Apple. Like we've seen that the tyranny of big tech is is very very real. Um, do you feel like conservatives are also recognizing how important it is to engage in in the cultural aspect as well of creation? Meaning. You know, recently this movie Sound of Freedom has come out. It's done very well by just general box office standards. Not, you know, there's usually this Christian movie standard that people say, oh, it made, you know, $3 million for an indie Christian. This has made tens of millions of dollars already. It's only been out for a couple of weeks. Um, and, and you know, basically, are, are we going to figure out at some point either how to get Netflix to stop being commie trash or how to create our own Netflix? I think we have created a few things. I also forgot to mention Rumble, which I'm really impressed with what they've done to be a competitor to YouTube, which was horribly uh, communist when it came to censoring community, just speaking points. But when it comes to, I guess, Hollywood and The Sound of Freedom, that movie has done astronomically well. I know that the Indiana Jones movie was released within the within the same time period. And like you said, it's it's competitive on and in like in in a general scale, not just the oh, it's a Republican movie or it's a Christian movie or it's for QAnon, as you know some of the left is trying to say. But um, it's doing really well. We're seeing that we're not necessarily again the silent majority, and we're not as crazy. These are not conspiracy theories. The things that we stand behind. We also saw it with Top Gun. It was kind of one of the first movies to come out in recent years that had a pro-America, pro-military theme, and it did it did astronomically well as well. So I'm, I'm happy to see this as a continued pattern, and I think we're going to see more of it as people just begin to wake up and realize that, hey, maybe America is not so bad as uh, the liberal elite has been lying and telling you for the past few years. Do you think the Bud Light effect also plays into, if not content creation as we've already seen it necessarily, but going forward, you know, Disney has been under a lot of pressure and Disney is getting a lot of pushback and seeing, I think, some financial losses. Is the right going to sustain this? Is this going to change things? It's shifting. Things are shifting huge. I just saw earlier today, Buck, that Costco dropped Bud Light from their shelves. I mean, that has to be a huge hit to their profits. I also heard, I think last week, that they're no longer one of the top 10 beers in America, which they had been for as long as I can remember. So we're seeing this change. Disney's losing money. The Bud Light controversy was one of the worst woke campaigns I had seen in a very long time. Speaking of which, the creator that posted that is has fled the country (laughs) they are currently in south america i think it's peru or somewhere um because they no longer feel safe in this country so the transgender is now in a south american country i don't know about you but that is one of the last places i would be if i was a transgender american scared of being in danger because they do not necessarily respect your pronouns down in South America. They don't really care about them. Um, but we're, we're seeing those changes and I'm excited. I think we're going to see a lot more of it that if you go woke, you go broke. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney is a skinny guy who sometimes wears a lot of women's makeup and clothing. If he doesn't want to be and not very well. Yeah. If he doesn't want to be recognized, just put on a baseball hat, man. Like, walk around no one cares you know it's 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 amazing the the levels of narcissism that i think some of the gender identity debate has shown um 
really gets to gets to the heart of some of the problems as well that everyone is supposed to uh, have to not just change reality but also be a part of these whether it's a transgender influencer or you know anybody who's making themselves a center of attention in this argument we all have to be a part of their little personal drama we, we all have to somehow engage and be like oh you know, people are being mean to you or something or you know you're not getting bud light endorsement money anymore it's it's amazing to me how much we're supposed to care about a lot of these very self-imposed problems yeah, I for one, I don't care. It comes up on my timeline all the time, though. And you also mentioned Netflix. So I don't want to forget to talk really quickly also about what's going on in Hollywood. So some of my friends this past weekend mentioned it, and I thought it was interesting. They um, they said the labor unions right now, like SAG, AFTRA, the acting unions in Georgia, where I live, they're on strike. So that's why we're not seeing a ton of production going on. But just this, I think yesterday, it was announced that Hollywood, like all of Hollywood, is officially on strike. This hasn't been done since the 1980s, I believe, a strike this large. And they, the screenwriters, the actors, the actresses, all of this SAG union employees, they're they're protesting because they're not getting paid enough by large companies like Netflix. So Netflix has problems on both ends. And I just see Hollywood is uh, Hollywood is struggling right now. Big time. I'm going to come back in a second and uh, ask you uh, to weigh in, if you will, on what do you think about the fascination these days with red pill influencers? And specifically, do you see the Andrew Tate Tucker interview? I saw it. Yeah. You want to can we talk I, about it a little bit? We can talk about it a little bit. I saw excerpts of it. I didn't see the whole thing. I have been trying to form an opinion on Andrew Tate. Wait, wait, but I think can I, can I can I hold can I hold you right there for what's I got to do a read and we'll come right back. Is that okay? You're right. You're right. I'm just excited. Okay. <laughs> Is that okay? Um, uh, she's fired up. She's fired up about talking Tate. We'll get to it in a second. Look, I I believe so much in all the benefits of technology. Right, the gear in front of me, around me for this podcast, for the radio show that I do from the same studio every day. But if the data on this computer I'm looking at were to vanish, uh, especially because I'm working on a book right now and the whole book's on this laptop, I'd be in a tough spot. So I back up all my data. That way, if a computer crashes or if I just forget to save a version of it or something, I'm good to go. With iDrive, you can back up all of your PCs, Mac servers, and mobile devices into one account for one cost. This is a company holding the trophy eight years in a row from PC Magazine for best cloud backup solution iDrive is the easiest, most secure cloud backup solution out there. Plans start at less than $7 a month. Get 90% off that for the first year when you use my name, Buck, in the purchase process. iDrive.com. That's in I as in the letter, drive. iDrive.com. Use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, for that 90% off discount. All right, Tate and the Red Pill Influencers Online. A ton of traffic, attention, engagement, for some of these discussions, I, I think Tucker's interview with Tate got, I don't know, 70 million views or something like that on Twitter. So what do you make of all that? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was the first one on one with Tucker Carlson since leaving Fox News. So that alone is a big deal. But Tate or Andrew Tate, I guess is his name. I haven't given him much thought. Um, but what I will say is I personally would not want to hang out with him. But I don't think he's necessarily wrong on a lot of topics. I just don't like his um, the way he delivers his messaging. I think that he is the stereotypical, just masculine alpha male. 
And that is not something people are used to right now. I mean, for the past decade, you've been told that masculinity is bad and feminism is good and the men should be subservient to their women. And he is just absolutely shattering that message. Uh, So people are kind of, I think they hated him at first, but I think they're kind of opening up to it. I think I am one of those people as well. So Uh, who is speaking? And this is really why, what I was was thinking about a moment ago as I was talking to you about this. Um, Are you millennial or Gen Z? I am a millennial. You're millennial. Okay. So, you know, I am technically a millennial as well, although I am the oldest possible millennial that you could be, but I'm technically millennial. Yeah, I'm up up there too. (laughs) Really? Oh, I I wouldn't know. Um, So who is speaking to women, let's say age, you know, 20 to 40, in a way that resonates the same in the same kind of way that Jordan Peterson, for some people it's Tate, you know, there are these, these voices on the right that are speaking to men about duty, family, masculinity, manhood, et cetera, whether one agrees or disagrees with, with whatever they say. Um, but they're, they've grown in tremendous prominence in recent years. Is there anybody on the left who you think is, I'm sorry, not on the left, pardon me anyone among women just not the left um who thinks uh who you think is reaching out to women and and espousing more traditional femininity the role of the mother the role of the wife uh in a way that is as profound honestly in, in terms of impact yeah i think Unfortunately, there's a lot more liberal women who are out there on podcasts with a huge following and they're pretty raunchy. So that would be easier to name. But we're talking about conservative women who are voicing traditional values and inspiring people. The first one that comes to mind is obvious to me and it probably comes to mind to a lot of other people. But I think Candace Owens, she has gotten married. She's starting a family. I think that's beautiful to see. Um, Now, people in my generation, I feel like because she is millennial too, I'm assuming, but there's not as many who are currently like starting a family and getting married. I think there are some economic reasons behind that. Definitely cultural as well, but um, Candace Owens would be my number one person. There's nobody that I can think of sad, but off the top of my head that like inspires me to want to do that. Do you know what I mean? They're, like, why isn't there, it's a fundamental question. I think uh, given the internet space these days, where, who's the female Jordan Peterson? I mean, C- Candace may share some of his and, and Candace is great. And, and I, you know, I appreciate her work a lot. You know, she's definitely a different approach than Jordan Peterson, right? A little different vibe. Yeah. I know they're both the daily wire. Um, but it, it just strikes me that, uh, that there are so many, these days, here's my thesis, and I just want to let you run with this. From what I see as a, you know, I'm a recently recently married guy, but I was out and about in life uh, for, for many, many years uh, in New York and sort of seeing what a, a Democrat leftist dominated world had created for most, not all, but for most women. And it strikes me that uh, there should be some voices out there who are telling women basically the best paths in terms of the numbers and the percentages for having fulfilling and happy lives, you know, at a very basic level. Yeah. I I recently heard, and I know I agree there should be more, uh, take politics out of it. The number one, like podcaster that I think of female is, uh, the call her daddy girl. Uh, yeah. uh, at, at a, a barstool barstool sports podcast yeah, yeah I, I listened okay. to that one time and only once and i i look 
people can listen to whatever, you know, they can choose the content they like. I, so I was really anti, it's funny because I told women I'd seen some episodes of Sex in the City a long time ago when that was, remember, that was a cultural phenomenon. And yeah. my theory, I was like, this is not good for women. I used to say this all the time. I was like, this is not a good show for women to be watching because these women are not happy and they're not leading fulfilling lives in this show for the most, you know, you could argue, but in general, a lot of obsession with socializing shoes and far too casual sex. And I just feel like there's not a lot of voices, not a lot of people, not a lot of content uh, on the right for something that presents to women. Like it doesn't have to be this way, you know? I think we're still maybe, at least for me personally, I think I'm still finding that balance between spending the past seven years of my life on the campaign trail um, and just traveling and not really having time to sit down and think about where I want to be five years from now as maybe a mother or as a wife. Um, But now things have changed. People are saying that I was, I mean, I worked nonstop and um, for a long time, women weren't working at all. Then they were working nonstop. And now it's up to us to figure out that balance. Uh, If you want to be a stay at home wife, that's fine. But for me, that's, that's never been a goal of mine. And I don't think that would fulfill me. I'd love to be a mother, love to be a wife, but I, I want to find the balance where I can do that right. And I can uh, work and have a successful career as well. Uh, Laura Ingram spoke at Turning Point USA's Young Women's Leadership Summit a few weeks ago in Dallas, Texas. And she she spoke really well on it. Very inspiring. Um Ali Stuckley talks about it as well. So, you know, once I sit down and really think I can come up with names, but it's not, it's not necessarily the Andrew Tate of my generation. Yeah, it's, it's not, uh, it's not the same kind of internet phenomenon in that realm of, you know, Candace talks politics a lot too. And Laura talks politics a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Ali, Ali Beth Stuckey uh, definitely is a traditional, you know, female influencer and, you know, traditional feminine uh, life and virtue. So they're, they're out there. I just think it's it's interesting because on the right, some of these and, and there's all these copycats now too, or, or I shouldn't not necessarily copycats, but you know, lesser versions of the yeah, like here's how to be a man, you know, it's like grow your beard, lift weights, get sun on your chest and eat, in your face, and <laughs> what's up? And they're eat meat. I sign on Twitter, oh. and all these men think that's worthy of a post. They're like here's my steak. I'm like cool, cool. I mean, um, the steak post is pretty good. <laughs> we have to throw the steak posts under the bus. I love steak, but like, it doesn't make you a man. Women like steak too. Ah, um, ah that's yeah. that's a fair that's a fair point. Yeah, no, I think I think people just like photos of very good. Food. Do you follow Chef Andrew Gruel? Do you know him? He's a, oh my god, that guy. Yes, great dude. He's been on the show. Even know- I don't know how I started following him, but like I interact. Like I'm a nerd. Like I'm a fan of his. Yeah, like he's those amazing. photos are incredible. Another thought that comes to mind though is like I feel like women are so busy online blogging about like fashion. And like I know so many influencers, but I they're influencing you on clothing, on what shoes to buy, on what makeup, what products to use on your skin, but they're not influencing you in terms of lifestyle and uh, values. Yeah, but you see what I mean? There's there's a there's a there's so much content out there right now there's four million podcasts in the apple podcast store something like that right and there's just so much content and it's not great <laughs> for for women like i said for women age 20 to 40 I, I see these some of these tiktok influencers it's all like oh my gosh like i woke up after like i got so wasted and now i'm just like oh like i'm just putting on my my chanel sandals and i'm gonna go 
have like three apple teenies and then I'm going to go to berries. And you're just sitting here. You're like, I know exactly who you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You sit here. You're like, I don't know if this is the best. Maybe I'm just turning into a grouchy old man. Um, But, you know, this is the best for people. I mean, I'll say this, even from the guy's side, from the guy's side of things, uh, I think a lot of frat college culture is, is, it's excessive. Like I'm not saying don't drink beer and have fun in college. I drank a lot of beer and probably had too much fun in college, but that stuff continues on. I mean, I just remember even living in New York in my late twenties, early thirties, and there would be these bars. People like, Oh, that's like a frat bar. And it was full of guys who were 30 and who were still, you know, wearing like frayed baseball hats and taking shots of Jaeger. And you're like, this is like more important things to be doing with your life here. Now that's just New York city. That's Murray Hill. That's what people would do. Um, but I do think that there's, room online and and it's just surprising me that no one's really stepped into this role but i think that a lot of women would actually uh well a lot of people come after jordan peterson and tate and whomever um but uh the feminist left would go completely insane at even things like 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 the body you know what can we come back and talk about body positivity and that whole movement in a second and the miss netherlands is a guy you might have seen the miss netherlands too yeah yeah let's let's get into that in a second but you know there are some bona fide patriots out there who really want to help your health your energy your endurance your focus day to day they work at a great place called chalk this is a nutrition a nutritional supplement company based in texas that's trying to maximize your everyday everyday energy they've got excellent products but uh, there are two things you should really think about for guys we're talking about guys and girls right now the male vitality stack and then the female vitality stack Both are a combination of all natural ingredients, each one chosen to give you a better everyday experience. The male vitality stack includes a leading ingredient proven to replenish diminished amounts of testosterone in a guy's body. You need that for energy, drive, and focus. The female vitality stack is formulated to provide improved hormone health. Find these online at chalk.com. C-H-O-Q.com is how it's spelled. Get 35% off any chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's chalk. CHOQ.com and use the name Buck, my name, for 35% off. Try the male or the female vitality stack out there, folks. Does great things. Um, okay. Body positivity. That exists. And yet on the internet this past week, one of the biggest debates was is the stunningly beautiful actress Margot Robbie mid, as in average or not? How do these two things exist simultaneously? The body positivity movement. If you weigh 500 pounds, if you are going to give yourself an early grave and type 2 diabetes and everything else, that is beautiful, we are told. But then on the internet, it's Margot Robbie, nothing special. What's going on? No, the, the, the messaging here is that if you are, they want you to be overweight, they want you to have, be depressed, they want you to be all these terrible things, and they're going to tell you it's okay to get there. But at the end of the day, once you're once you're unhealthy, once you're depressed, once everything goes to crap, you no longer really stand up for what you believe in. You no longer care enough to do that. So I think that it goes to government's responsibility to have healthy and informed citizens that care about their country. I think that is a huge problem alone, but also moving to the Margot Robbie thing, one of those beautiful women in the world. I am convinced that that is just a like a marketing ploy. There is no way that people actually believe she's mid. Like you have to be insane, right? So every time someone posts and they're like, oh, I don't think she's that hot or that beautiful. I'm like, this is just, they're just like clickbaiting us. They're trapping us. They want us to 
argue and engage with them so that they can get Twitter ad money, maybe. But there's, do people actually believe that? I don't know. People are crazy. You know, there was a, there was a uh, NBC poll that said that 70% of Americans think that you should only play the sport for the gender that you were assigned at birth. And I'm like, first of all, what kind of poll is that insofar as male or female, right? We all under, this is the world that we live in, but they're the, the gender assigned at birth uh, because that makes a concession. The poll question itself makes a concession that there's this, this mystical belief that you could change your gender. Um, but I, I, look, I looked at it. I know some of them were like no answer, you know, 5% or something, but 30% of people are nuts. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm happy that 70% aren't completely nuts, but 30% of Americans are way out there in outer space on the let's let transgender men compete against women in athletics. That's highly concerning that those numbers are as high as they are. I'd like to think that it was like 1% of the population that believes that men should be in women's sports and vice versa. But you never hear about women changing their gender or their gender how they identify to compete in men's sports. And there's a reason we are biologically different and we definitely cannot physically compete against men. Maybe, maybe Dylan Mulvaney, I could, I could do something there. But besides that, I mean, it's, it's, it's sick. And I think it's a mental illness problem in this country. Yeah. It's, uh, it strikes me as the gateway, you know, if you concede on this, I was saying for a long time, to make concessions about even the pronoun thing. Because the way they got us to do it is they said, just be polite. Just be polite. Be nice to people. They just want the different pronoun. But then what you realize is then the more people started saying the pronoun that corresponded to the feelings of the person and not their actual gender, then it turns into, oh, well, now you're recognizing that I am actually a woman and not a man. And so everything else that comes with that is also, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's you're just admitting and giving me what I want on everything now if you do that because you're admitting the fundamental unreality of I am a different gender. So it's crazy. I, I did say I wanted to ask you, and, and I will in a second, about the uh, Miss Netherlands is a guy. Uh, this is probably going to get taken off of YouTube, by the way, as I'm talking about. This is, the good news is it's mostly a podcast. So most of the people listening, like 90, 95% of them are listening. Although everyone should subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. Check it out. You'll see Liz. You can see her. Um, uh, talking about all this stuff on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Buck Sexton. Uh, we'll come back to the Miss Netherlands in a second, but there's something in the works right now on the financial side that some are saying could go down as the biggest government power grab in recent history. According to a very smart economist and author, Dr. Nomi Prinz, our financial system could soon be spiraling into chaos. She's speaking about a dangerous new program put forward by the Biden administration. This isn't about banning gas-powered cars, but about a total ban on cash itself. She sees the launch of a new technology called FedNow. It's an attack on our cash, according to Dr. Prince, and also an attack on your privacy. May well affect your ability to spend your money when and how you see fit. Soon, something as simple as buying a cup of coffee could set off some alarm bells over at the IRS. Huge changes are coming this summer. You should get all the facts and do what you can at this specially built website right now. Just go check it out. It's got a lot of information for you. DisappearingDollar.com. That's disappearingdollar.com, paid for by Rogue Economics. Why is Miss Netherlands a man? Um, why? I don't know. But 
Fun fact, I did pageants for many years. I did the USA system um, and the Miss Universe system was the the overall, um, I guess, system that owns like that Miss USA goes to. And that what when I competed for Georgia Teen USA and Miss Alabama USA was first runner up for both. But that was when Donald Trump owned the system. And a lot of people forget about that. That is back when beauty pageants had legitimate requirements. And it wasn't just you need to be a woman. There was you can't be married yet. You have to be a certain age. Um, There were a lot of requirements that went into it. It was something that was actually competitive and taken seriously. It uh, I think the second they've allowed transgender, um, I guess, women to compete in this, I think they lost all credibility. And just because you won Miss Netherlands doesn't mean that when you get to Miss Universe, you're going to do well. I don't think that Miss Miss Netherlands, that's so weird to say because it's man, um, has any chance taking the Miss Universe crown. I think you look at other countries and uh, Miss Russia is absolutely stunning and a real woman. I would I would um, suggest if it were me, if I was involved in that, if I was Miss USA at the time, I would speak out against that, against allowing men to compete against you. It goes against the entire premise of the organization. But unfortunately, I think people are too shy to do that. They're afraid of getting canceled. And um, why why are women, you know, we we often hear about the need uh, from the left for safe spaces for a whole variety of things or spaces based on um, uh, an individual's ethnicity, even they'll say, Oh, we need to have like a breakout group and only people that are, you know, a- Asian Americans or this happens at colleges all the time. You know, they'll break people out and actually in some corporate training too. But the notion of a space for women that is actually comprised of women is a big problem for them. It just feels like there's a cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, it, it's a huge problem. And another requirement we had was that we couldn't have, we couldn't be a mother at the time that we were competing or we couldn't be a mother during the time of our reign. So I don't know how, let's see when I was doing this almost 10 years within the past 10 years, how in 10 years it went from uh, a competitive legitimate organization with qualifications set in place to prevent this to a man winning a national title. Uh, it's, I think we're hopefully going to see a regression from where things have gone um, because it's it's a little bit too progressive when it comes to. Do you, do you think that we will? Do you think that in, in our recent, uh, or rather in our in our near future, um, there will be a male Miss America? Don't make me think about that. <laughs> um, Sounds like a probably. Yeah, I know. I've seen some state titles that have allowed, and whether it's Miss America or Miss USA, those are the two largest pageant systems. Um, I've seen them open up to allow transgenders. So we're. I think we may not be that far off, but fortunately, people are waking up a little bit. I think that it was maybe it was an experiment, a social experiment. How far can we take it? But it's it's not getting good results. People are that I see, but maybe I'm in an echo chamber here. People are not pleased with what's going on. So hopefully, hopefully it stops. They realize that what they're doing is stupid. I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath on that one, but I can I can appreciate that. That's what we're trying to. That's what we're hoping will will come uh, come to pass. It would have never happened if President Trump was still in charge of Miss Universe and Miss USA. He would not allow a transgender to take the stage. This is this is a perfect uh, transition, if you will, to 
2024. Just tell me what are your thoughts on it right now, your expectations, and, and how are you feeling about it? Yeah, so I am... I am surprisingly very confident that President Trump will be the GOP nominee. I think when people were waiting to see how DeSantis would do, I was kind of sat back and watched for a little bit. I was a little nervous how these campaigns would maneuver their way and what they were going to do. But I'm very impressed with the Trump campaign, what they've been able to do. They have continued to um, identify their mission. They have gone to different states. I think they're in Iowa this week. He might be in New Jersey, Iowa. He's in a different state every single day. He's continuing to hold his rallies and go to speak to different organizations. I think that the, um, and the second place person I would say in polling would agree right now is DeSantis. And his campaign kickoff was just like a, a blunder from the beginning. It was not impressive to me. I think they could have done a lot better, but I think they really missed the target on this one. So I think President Trump is going to be the GOP nominee. Um, and what liberals do with that, uh, that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother question. Is he going to beat Biden? Uh, in an honest election, uh, yeah, I don't think people are going to be voting for Biden. I'm also not super confident that Biden's going to be the Democratic nominee. So, uh, I don't know. I don't, well, are you? Yeah, well, you know, my radio co-host, uh, Clay, and I argue about this on air all the time. Um, I, short of a true health, I mean, if Biden has an, you know, a stroke or an aneurysm or something, uh, clearly that's, and he's 80, so that that's a thing that is just reality that that could happen at some point. Uh, so he wouldn't be physically capable of running. But short of that, I think they won't give up the incumbency, uh, especially if they're running He's against terrible. It's terrible. I mean, even my friends that are, and I have a number of liberal friends, I, I don't hold it against them. I think it's good to be able to talk. And if we're not opening our dialogue, then we're never going to get anywhere. We're not going to move in any direction as a nation. But all of them can say that they will not vote for Biden again. Well, that's encouraging to hear. I would just, I would point out that John Fetterman is a senator from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Just remember There's a lot that of one. ugly truth. And, you know what I mean? Anytime I start to be like, truth. yeah, anytime and somebody's, oh, but Biden's so bad. I'm like, Fetterman can't speak. And, uh, you know, can't the, speak. Whole, the whole thing is absurd. And yet he is a senator from Pennsylvania. So don't count out even the most, uh, absurd and nefarious Democrat plots. So Liz, when are we going to know about this cool new thing you're doing in the tech space yeah. online soon? Thank you for asking. So it's very soon. And I think probably tomorrow, Friday or Saturday, I'm going to officially announce on my social media channels, Instagram and Twitter, truth social. But what I can tell you is that this is a really innovative tech company. What we're doing is aligning conservative social media creators and Republican campaigns. We're going to be teaming those up. We're going to be forming bonds that are going to be unbeatable for the 2024 presidential election, whether it's congressional, whether it's Senate, governor, um, whatever the campaign may be, they need help fundraising. And we are seeing horrible returns on fundraising across the board for Republican parties. I don't know about you, but I get the most, it's, these emails are embarrassing to read from like the GOP. It's like, I saw one today. It was like, congratulations. You're a superstar. You're our number one uh, friend. Click here to get your award. And then you click that. And then if you donate 20 bucks, you 
get another email with your name. I, it's, it's crap. That is not the way forward. So our goal is to have these creators post organically what they really think about these campaigns and to just drive awareness in a really organic, honest, true fashion. So I'm excited to see how that is going to play out. I think it could shift the nature of how people campaign and it could put Republicans in a much better position moving forward to de- for decades to come. Follow Liz Willis on Twitter, Instagram, Truth, Rumble, all of the above. Liz, come back and hang out and hang out with us again. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Buck. Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.